That's a wrap on season two. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay, Jordan. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. Hi, I'm Jordan. And I'm Sarah. And we're both successful serial entrepreneurs who believe the world is way better with more. More women-owned businesses, more wealth, more magic, and more champagne. But before we can add more, we need to return old business ideas that are taking up too much space in our lives. Enter The Refund, our content series for folks who are looking to return old storylines, concepts, and habits that no longer serve their life and business. Each episode, we're going to cover one topic, share three key takeaways, and we're going to receive a refund on what is no longer fitting the bill. Hashtag no receipts required. Listen and watch The Refund on YouTube and wherever you love to listen to podcasts. In season one, we talked with Adriana Kerrig from the Little Words Project Project about being self-funded. Yes. And that was a really fascinating interest, a really fascinating episode exploring, Mm -hmm. you know, her experience of of literally building the business starting with $5,000 and never up until this point taking on any investor funding um, or bringing on a partner to help mm-hmm. fund the business. And she was 10 years in business, close to 10 years, I believe. I think they, they're coming up to 10. So 10 years, self-funded, sustaining, very successful national jewelry brand in New Jersey. So it was a great story if you haven't watched it. And it's in her offices, which are really great. Beautiful. We filmed in New Jersey. It was fantastic. Yes. Now, you have the opposite story of Adriana's. Where yeah. you started Mend, your mm-hmm. jewelry brand, mm-hmm. with funding. Mm-hmm. And so today, we're going to talk about kind of what? Some the good, the bad, the ugly of, of taking investor pros, funding? I would say the pros and cons. And I think what we're returning is that, you know, venture capital is the only financial solution to growing and scaling a business. So many people think that's the only answer. They th- well, they th- I think the venture capital world is very sexualized. Not sexualized, glamorized. Sexualized would be very bizarre. <laughs> I think it probably also is I was is just going to say, there's probably a lot there, but I just think it's... it's <laughs> just even looking at who has the money and who gets the money. It's, it's just like, it's very much, because there's a lot of money at play, I think people assume that it's a very glamorous... You think of Silicon Valley is what I think of when I totally. hear venture capital. And I think there's a perception that comes with venture capital. And um, that is the first question I have gotten. And the first question I've gotten from a lot of people about how do I get venture capital? What do I do with it? Um, how much do I need? All of those questions for probably the first couple of years of my business. That's what everybody was like. Wow. How did you get that? And so I started Mend in 2017, started that with my savings, which was like at the time 1500 bucks. started a jewelry brand, like begged, borrowed, and steal, stole for like branding. Like I basically said, hey, I'll give you jewelry if you make my logo and like photography. Like I basically was very scrappy on how I got the business off the ground. Lots of bartering, trading. Yes, bartering, yep. All of that, just to get the business off the ground. I was walking into stores and saying, hey, will you buy my jewelry? Like, very much. There's Selling. the sales. Yeah, that's how I got in my first stores. I was like, hey, you should carry my stuff. What store um, was that? Russell and Hazel. It was. Okay, that's what now, I thought. Which is now closed. That I was know. a really great store. I love that still, store. But they're still selling through, I think, like West Elm, some local Minneapolis spots, too. That was so well curated. I um, love that store. What's interesting about my funding story is I have to just give the woo-woo part of it is, so in the summer of 2017, I was not making any money. I was in the red, and there was like 40 bucks in my Wells Fargo account. Wells Fargo would not give me um 
a $10,000 like line of credit. I couldn't get a loan through them. Even though and they told me I could. you wanted to start MEND. This is as you're starting MEND. Yeah, so I, it was self-funded and I was working full-time. I wanted my MBA, I couldn't afford it. So I started, that someone had given me that advice. If you want to run a business, you don't need an MBA. Just start a business. I very much so agree with, I agree that. with that. And I could tell many a story <laughs> about conversations I've had. I have a lot of friends do, mm-hmm. that do have their MBAs. Yeah. And of course, like everybody's path is different. But what I think is so fascinating about the MBA conversation is they're all looking at me like, how do you run your business? <laughs> tell me about this. Right. And, you know, I don't have any debt. <laughs> right. The MBA is probably applicable to certain types of businesses, not all. And I think an MBA. But these people are all interested in like running their own business. Which is funny because I feel like an MBA is associated with like getting a higher pay grade at a larger corporate company, right. which is so fascinating. Again, if you want additional education, great, but it's not a requirement right. by any means. It's a sexy thing. Yeah, I get it. Totally. I get it. I'm not frowning I'm all it. about higher ed, but yep. don't think that just because you got way. that, it's you're going to be fail safe for running a business. So sorry about no. like distracting us there, no. but that's really interesting. So somebody was like, okay, you can't afford your MBA. You don't like, here's I what you can do instead. Yeah, I wanted them. I wanted this agency I was working for to pay for my MBA. And he was the president of the company at the time. And he was like, what do you want to do? And I was like, oh, I want to run a business. He goes, yeah, you don't need an MBA to do that. He goes, here's a couple books. Read these books. Go start a business. Like kind of fail your way through the process. And I, I was like. I love that advice. Super great advice. Um, and it was so, I just laughed that I like pitched an agency to pay for my MBA. Like agencies don't have money. <laughs> like they, I mean, I don't even know if I was going to get a raise, let alone <laughs> them give me 50 grand You're to go. You're so sweet. I was very, I very ambitious. And I put together a pitch deck. I did the whole thing. Um, I love that. Sales. Yeah. I tried. I mean, the worst thing there he was going to do is say no. And he actually gave me better advice and probably saved me a lot of time. And, well, money, they would have probably saved me if I went. But anyways, needless to say, that's why I went to start my jewelry business. I've always loved jewelry design. And then so in that summer where I was, like, losing money, I didn't know what to do. This is where we get really woo-woo. And this is where, like, my venture capital story is such an anomaly is that I watched this famous Jim Carrey interview. Have you seen it with Oprah? Where Jim Carrey was, like, a poor actor and he would drive to the Universal studio lot and, like, envision himself there that he was going to be an actor famous actor one day there and then he wrote himself a check I think it was like for five million dollars and he was like you don't write a check and like go make a sandwich and hope things work out but he wrote that check kept it in his pocket and he looked at it for the next five years five years later he got he booked Dumb and Dumber I think it was a 10 million dollar check because then his first paycheck from that movie was he got 10 million dollars from that it's such a like fantastic classic oprah interview like you want to talk about talk show right it's so good and like jim carrey is he's a firm believer in manifestation he believes in all of that and he's also a hilarious actor and i was like hey i can do that i can write myself a check yes Yes. So I wrote myself. Especially off. if I don't need to back it with any cash <laughs> yeah, in the account. I was like, as long as I don't cash it, it's fine. Right, Oprah? So I wrote myself a check for $100,000 and I signed it and I put it in my wallet. And every week on Monday, I would do it on Monday mornings because that's when we had like our all company stand up. I would like look at the the check in my wallet and I would like fantasize about myself leaving the company. Announcing because I was going to run my business full time. So then flash forward like four or five months later, I get an email from this woman and she goes, hi, um, you know, I've been referred to you for my colleague and the colleague was a man I worked with at the agency. I also forced everybody at the agency to buy my jewelry. My sales pitch was, if you love your wife, buy her my necklace. And that worked. 
So all the men in my office had bought necklaces. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> Sales. Sales. And all of the men who had significant others, daughters, wives, all bought necklaces. And this, he was our director of marketing at the time. His wife was wearing a necklace. And when they were sitting down with this woman who became my business partner, she goes, oh, my God, what's that necklace? I need one. And he goes, it's so-and-so. She went to my website, like my site. She reached out to me and she goes, hi, I mentor women in business. Um, I would love to meet you for coffee. And I go up to my director of marketing and I'm like, who, who is this? And he was like, you need to meet with her. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm happy to meet a mentor. Like I always think more is more on like people to bring in. So I meet her at the Galleria in Edina, which yep. is a very fancy mall. There's a Starbucks in there. She wants to meet me there. So I'm sitting there, I like have my little notebook. I'm like super excited to take notes. And this just what, like, I'm yeah. sorry, what year is this? This is 2017. 2017 so, still. So how old are you? I'm 23. Three. So I'm okay. 23. I'm and stressed <laughs> out thinking of, okay, I'm so happy for you. <laughs> and, I, and I know what happens. <laughs> I know how the story unfolds, but I'm just like, oh my God, you're 20, whatever. Yeah. Okay. And so this like beautiful blonde woman like comes just like, she just comes like waltzing in. You could just tell she's got good energy is wearing all my, like she bought so much of my jewelry, which is like a lot at the time because I had just started was wearing all of my pieces. Had this, like, and you had all handmade, yes, packed, shipped, me. all of them. Me at the Fulfilled time. Fulfilled the order. All me. And this just like beautiful woman with like a designer bag, like worth my student debt in a bag, just like come sits down. And she's just like, hi, it's so nice to meet you. And like within 15 minutes, her and I were like fast friends. Like, you know, when you meet somebody mm. and you're like, oh, we're soul sisters. Like we both have had like very similar challenges. She would like came from single mom, like very humble beginnings. And and now she is one of the top um, wealth advisors in the country. Cool. And I just remember her looking at me and she's just like, what happens if I put money in your bank account? And she had set a number <laughs> and it was $10,000 at first. She was, what happens if I put $10,000 in your bank account? What would you do? And I'm like, hmm? And that was a lot of money. I was like, what are you, ta I was like, what are you talking about? And so her and I go back and forth. I'm taking notes. And she's just like, listen, I have been looking for someone like you for the past 10 years. She's like, it was on my bucket list 10 years ago to invest in a woman-owned no business. Way. I don't think I knew like this whole yeah. conversation. It's a whole story to it. She's like, I wanted to invest in a woman-owned business for the past 10 years who wouldn't have the opportunity otherwise. And I think it's your business. She's like, if you're serious, meet me and my husband for breakfast in a couple weeks and we can talk about what this looks like. And I'm like, okay, sure, sure. Like, and you know, I'm 23. I'm making $40,000 out of college. I just started this business in my fucking apartment at a little table. So I, I remember I, I went back to the office and I remember the first call I made was my husband and I was crying. And he was like, why are you crying? I was like, I think this woman wants to give me money. Like, I think she wants to change my life. And he was like, wait, a woman <laughs> wants to give you money? <laughs> He's like, who are these For people? what? He's like, wait a minute, what? So I meet her and her husband for breakfast at the, there's like a famous pancake house over, I think it's in Golden Valley, either way. The original pancake there, thank house. Thank you, thank you. I called it the famous pancake house. <laughs> Classic Jordan. Yeah. Um, Good thing you made it to the right restaurant. Yeah, I mean, amen. So, and Max came with me. I was like, please just make sure, like, I'm not going to get kidnapped. These people want, and even I told my family, they were like, what do you mean? What's the, and I just had to, like, not tell them. Right, right, right. Because it just was too bizarre. So I met them, and sales 
So I, they wanted to sit down and have a conversation with me. I brought a fucking iPad and I was sliding through You a were deck. doing the pitch. I said, this is my jewelry brand. This is why I made it. Here's the brand. Here are the designs. I brought the designs. I was like laying them on the table, like sticky, like there was like syrup all over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I showed them my profit and loss. There was a big category called uncategorized expenses because yeah. I didn't know how to bookkeep. And yeah. then you just saw I was in the red and I was like, so. like <laughs> And he was like, you have a lot of uncategorized expenses. I go, yeah, because I don't know what they are. He's right. like, well, someone categorizes them for you. I was like, oh. oh got it. Right. So thanks. Okay, cool. And then I kind of just told him my story. And I remember them being like, okay. They're like, we want to give you $250,000 for the next two years. We want to see what happens when you're in the driver's seat. Everybody was really emotional and like I wasn't. I looked at them and I was like, why are you doing this? And I feel my husband like punching under the table. <laughs> like I'm gonna squash it. And they were like, this is a sign of our success. So we talk about in the first episode of this season, money isn't the only metric. These were the first wildly successful people I met who said to me, it's not just about the money. We know we're successful because we're gonna take a chance. We on can you. help you. And that to me was the first time I'd ever seen that and heard that from successful people. And that was really touching. And to see people who didn't know me, but they saw my brand, they saw my product and they heard my story and they said, we're going to take a chance on you. So they were emotional because they had reached one of their goals in yeah. investing money in you. Mm -hmm. That was a win for them as a yeah. couple and, yep. of, of being able, they had enough means that a quarter of a million dollars wasn't too much for them to lose. Well, and they were willing to risk it. And I right. think like if you're somebody who wants to invest, not even like wanting investment, but if you want to invest, it's like you want to find people that remind you of yourself when you were working really hard. Right. She's self-made. He grew up on a farm, like both self-made who probably aren't surrounded by people who are like sharpening their teeth and right, working right, from right. the ground up. And I think there was probably a level of like, let's try and see what happens if we give another entrepreneur, a very young entrepreneur, <laughs> money to grow a business in a really challenging industry. So I said, okay, send me an email with all these details and then we can decide. And, then, and I'll take my pancakes to go. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take my German lemon pancake to go. Oh God. I think they're, that's what they're Yeah, they're so, for. yeah, they're so good. So... What happens next is, so that's the story. I just wanted to kind of like paint the picture of like, I wasn't seeking venture capital. I really, I wanted to run the business full time. And I think like with hard work and luck, very yeah, much Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talk about luck in, in right another place episode. At the right time, this woman connected to me and her and I happened to partner. Um, so what came next, which is the, uh, one of the questions I get often was like, Okay, so then how did it go with negotiating? What did they want in return? Mm. So the first thing we did was they, and they were also, when you're looking for a venture capital partner, look at their businesses. How are they running their businesses? What industry are they in? Why are they looking to invest? All of those things are important because the first thing they said to me was, please go hire a lawyer. We're going to have our lawyer and we're going to put together an operating agreement. Of course. They were like. Great starting mm -hmm. point. They were like, we want to do this the right way. Please hire an attorney. We're gonna sit down, and it was insane. I remember sitting in her like beautiful office in uh, not YZ in Deep Haven. There was the four of us because I brought Max with me because I was like, I'm still not sure if I'm gonna get kidnapped. 
<laughs> what was Max gonna do? Well, Max is just joke him to death. <laughs> oh my god! Do you know they love Max? Of course it's they so do. It's so insane. They love Mac, him. But Max does. Does he have a mean bone in his body? No, it's not yeah. possible. Well, yeah. I can push. Well, I find a way. I'm that's sure. That's the well, Aries in me. You have an you. Aries. I know. Um, but I remember it was a sixty-page operating document, and we were going through it page by page, even clauses of if I die. How do we distribute right. the money? Right. Like all those things where I had to respond to them on how often do you want to get paid? What is the salary you want? And I had to negotiate pretty hard to pay myself 50000 a year. And when you take out taxes, that's barely $38,000 a year. So I was taking a pay cut to run my business full time. I think there was an assumption that when you get venture capital, all of a sudden you're rich. That's not the case. Right, right, right. Because if you're taking a salary, you want to take a small salary because... If you're taking the money for the right reason, it's to reinvest back into the business. And as a as an owner, like your salaried people are very that's expensive. Oh, it's your biggest. That's expense. your biggest expense. Your biggest expense is always going to be your staff. And, and in order to have me. as much money to invest back into the business, you you want to have so run a, as lean as possible. Right. So I took a pretty severe cut, but I was okay with it. I was like, I know I'm making similar amount of money, but it was less than I was making out of college. And then people asked me, they were like, well, how did you negotiate your equity split? Because that's what they wanted. They wanted a percentage of equity um, to have skin in the game because that's what most that's how it investors works. do. And when I tell people, I just watch Shark Tank. I watched a lot of Shark Tank. That's I how, love this story that, so And much. that is what makes people laugh because they think that I did all this research. Like, no, I have just watched hours and hours and hours of Shark Tank to see how people evaluate it. And I said a number and they said, okay. And I was like, I still want to be the majority shareholder. Here's my number. And they said, okay. And there's nothing more to it. I think like maybe what I've done more research and maybe like change the number. But I, I felt good about the equity because they were doing so much by investing in me. Right. And that w- that's a big investment. Totally. That's not, it wasn't just like it was $15,000 and they wanted 90% of the company. And like I, that's a quarter of a million dollars. And I, and it's again. I think with venture capital, when someone's offering you money, you ask them their goal. Is it because they want to see a return on their investment pretty fast? Are they going to see that this is a slow burn? Is it because they're angel investors and they want to just support your business and know that there's a chance that they may not see that return? But it benefits if you have losses in your business, anyways. That benefits the investors from a tax perspective. They get a tax break, right? So like. If you are investing money into a business as an investor and you lose money, that benefits you from a tax perspective. But if you make money, that's great. You're seeing a return on what you've made. So to me, there's like positives no matter what. You just Mm. need to know what the risk is. Mm -hmm. And what your goals are as as the investor. Right. And I think with business partners, yeah, a pro is funding. You're getting money. Right. You have a cash injection into the business that helps you do a lot of the things that those are that are self-funded. You have to maybe spend time, whether it's yours or like a a longer timeline to achieve. Correct. And you grow faster. So pro is that because you've had cash injected, you can grow faster because you can invest in things faster. You can invest in staff faster. Inventory was the biggest thing. Outsourcing production. I remember when you found that manufacturer Mm -hmm. in New York. Yep. And it was like, how quickly can I get product made? And again, it was just sell. It was sell as fast as you can. You're... Yeah, your learning curve is so steep because you can spend and grow fast. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say another pro is you now have two really smart business people who have probably 
50 plus years together of business experience who are going to teach you things that um, you wouldn't know otherwise. But again, that depends on who your venture capitalist of is. Of course. Do they want to be strategic? Do, and that what could be seen what are as their a con. goals? Correct. Right, right, so right. So it could be a positive if they're strategic and you have the same goals. So the woman, it was a husband and wife, the woman, Catherine, her and I were on the same page. She was very strategic. She gave me business direction. She kind of taught me the financial forecasting part of it. And her husband, he was involved in the business, but he just wanted to see the reports once a month, share out what they we're very, doing. They played very different roles in the business. Mm-hmm. And that is a part of what their goals were, the time that they could invest. And so maybe when you're shopping for capital, that's Mm -hmm. something to consider is what level of engagement do you want with these people? And know that they get to have an opinion. Are you okay with someone having decision-making powers? Mm. Even though if they are the majority shareholder, whatever, but like they get to have a seat at the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they get to decide, do we have a store at the Mall of America? Do we do New York Now or trade show? Is that a good investment? Is it not a good investment? So... That's a pro or a con, but it ultimately decides on who is investing the money. We hear horror stories of venture capital partnerships because I don't think it was clear on what the expectations were. Mm. I think in my scenario, the expectations were we're taking a chance. We're taking a chance on a young woman in a challenging business, but we're going to put everything we can into it over the next two years. And so you just had a very frank, upfront conversation around what those goals were. Here are my goals. What are your goals? Mm -hmm. Let's align. Yep. And then we can decide if this arrangement makes sense. Correct. So Got it. Which took a lot of self-awareness on your front, because I can imagine having a carrot dangled in front of you (laughs) where you're just like, holy shit, this is a quarter of a million dollars. Like, yeah, insane. I'm going to go to Ibiza and (laughs) party. (laughs) I love how you said it that way. Ibiza. Um, Right? Like, that is wild to me. Yep, have the self-awareness, know what the goals are. And again, like when you are looking for investors, it's just like when you are vetting clients you want to work with, when money is involved, Mm. like look at their track record. Are they, what businesses do they run? Do they have an investment business? Like they do, or like they have their own little investment firm. So they do this often where they will put- Got it. So they're like pros at this, but they had maybe not done it at this this capacity, on this level. Not in this category. So I had been the first- uh, retail business they had invested in, but like they had enough wealth where they were putting money in different investment types. So in restaurants, so they had their own. It's nothing big by any means, but they do have other investments that they will put money in for businesses. So that to me was interesting when I was like, okay, they kind of have the separate entity. She runs a financial wealth firm. He's running a large construction company. Like, okay, these two like have- They kind of know some things. Right, They've got an interesting dynamic- track record yes. rap sheet so i think that's that's a big part of it is don't take money willy-nilly from people don't right, be right, blindsided right. by everybody has its agendas aren't a bad thing but everybody is has an end goal and for them it they was, weren't just yeah. doing this selflessly like they had personal right. goals that they wanted to achieve too totally and it was and you were that- a part of of them strategically getting there. Right. And I think... In a, in yeah. a good way. You weren't a pawn in their story. That's not no, what I'm no, suggesting. No, 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 not at all. I think, though, it was fun for them. It, it was a fun investment for her because the category was different than anything else that they invested Which in. Which is great. Right. But I think that is so... It's an anomaly. And again, I feel really grateful for that experience because it could have ended not well. We're like... They took all my assets or or whatever it is. Like, you just hear all these horror stories. And I think it's like an upfront of like, 
Who are these people? Why are they giving you money? Is it clear what you have to deliver them? Because if it's like they want to see their money year one, like, can you do that? Are right. you willing to? So that's a con of it. Is like stressful. Potentially, you're now under the gun for right. whatever expectations those investors are setting for you. Right. So great, you can move fast, but is it fast enough? Mm-hmm. So I would say that's a con. I think another con is folks don't want to give up equity. And I know understand that's a big deal. For me, it wasn't a big deal because I wasn't precious with my business. I was like, wow, I have an opportunity. And I know retail is, is a very slim margin game. I know I'm not like, this isn't a proprietary software that's right. going to be stolen. Like to right. me, it was more about this is an opportunity, if anything else. And if it takes off, awesome. If it doesn't, like, it, I no harm, no foul. But that is a big deciding factor for people. They don't want to give up equity. And I think that concept, especially from a founder standpoint, mm-hmm. we've talked a lot about the difference between being yep. a founder and being a CEO. Yep. And founders... And you can transition from founder to CEO within the same business, right? But there is a different mentality when you're sitting in like with your founder's cap on Mm -hmm. or you're sitting with your CEO cap Mm -hmm. on. And I think I'm making some assumptions based off of founders that I know. The emotional connection to your business at the sheer founder level is very different than Mm -hmm. the emotional connection when you put your CEO hat on. Totally, right? totally different. And so you, it sounds like you were able to shift maybe away from founder mode where a lot of us think like my business is my baby. Right. I wouldn't give up a fucking fingernail. <laughs> like that's my kid, right? <laughs> right. So I think that's super, um, again, aware of mm-hmm. you and you were like, I'm going to put my CEO cap on and I'm going to s- decide right. this is an adver- advantageous move for me to make. This is a good strategy. Totally. It would be silly for me to walk away from this opportunity over Equity. equity right and i think too and not everyone's gonna feel that way yeah you have to decide like there are very many founders the uh the guy that started dyson he learned he had first given up equity in his first business and then now he owns dyson 100 percent. like you have to decide the risk and for me like that percentage they got is like worth to me so much less than the experience that they gave me. Mm. Like that was more important than equity. Like I'm not, I wasn't precious about the business. I wanted them in my business. And if that meant giving up equity, great. I got a really good experience from that. This is a fantastic tie back to our first episode of season two. We're Mm -hmm. talking about the numbers aren't your only metrics that you should goal. That Mm -hmm. is a squishy non-numbers metric. Mm -hmm. You saying the success and the learnings, or, or not the success, the learnings mm-hmm. I gained from working with these people, that was a success measure for you. Yes. Where the number was less important, i.e. The, the equity percentage. Yes. In my oh, mind, it wasn't. It was like, I really want to learn and you only have your first business once. Yeah. So I'm allowing myself, like, what a great way for me to kind of like, like go as fast as I can and almost crash and burn because I have this runway that is that wasn't going to be given to me. You had a you had a safety net mm-hmm. and a little bit of it was like bowling with bumpers. Yeah, I actually do bowl with bumpers. So oh, good for you. Well, <laughs> good for you. Terrible bowler. But so then again, I think like so if you go back to those pros and cons, you can grow fast, you you can scale faster, you have good leadership behind you if they want to be involved. Cons are you have to grow fast. You may have to deliver on those things. Right. You're you being to, held accountable. Yes, you're being held accountable. Did you? Can I? Can I interject here? Yeah. Did you feel like when you got the ca- when you got the capital? Did you kind of feel like you were stand, stepping back into like the structure where you reported to somebody? 
Um, yes and no. I I had to. So I will say what made them really great business partners was once a month, I was basically put in the hot seat. So they were teaching me like, you need to tell me how did we do this month? Send us a report. You tell us speak why. To all the things. You need to speak to all the things. Know and your I numbers. Called, I called it like being put in the hot seat. And I remember I would be like sweating in those meetings. Like I was kind of scared because mm-hmm. there's a lot. Of, it was their money on the line. But it taught me so much that by year two, I was like, this is why we did this. This is why we did this. Like, they taught me to, you like, just speak to those things. own the numbers. Yeah. But the reporting piece, I felt like it was my due diligence. They've invested all this money. I need to deliver on it. So then there's that piece. Like, do you want to report to somebody? Mm-hmm. Do you have, think about it. It's any big company. Did that company. feel limiting? Did that feel stifling? No, it felt empowering because they good. were teaching me to own the business that I'm running. A good partnership. Truly. Absolutely. And then if, and they would push me, they would challenge me on things. And like, that's a good business partner. You want them to challenge you and be, well, why, why are we spending this percentage? Why did we do this? What's our sales number? How many units do we have to sell? Like those things, like they taught me. So basically getting my MBA through yeah. that. But again, that depends on the people. Yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. going to depend on how much cash they give you. Right. That's nothing to do they with that They could have given me $10,000 and that experience would have been the same. So it's, there's definitely a level of like, it's great. It's also hard. I would say a con of venture capital is the, you just, you move so fast. And there is just a lot of pressure to grow at accelerated rate too, that like after the two years, I was so burnt out. Yeah, you were tired. And you, I, as a witness of this time in your life, you wore it really well. And I don't think I realized how hard it was on you until After. retroactively like talking about it. And, mm-hmm. and even on some of the things you've shared on the podcast, yeah. like I just was like, this chick just has endless energy. I don't know what the fuck is happening over here, but I'm impressed by it. Because we'd be at some of the same shows and we'd Non-stop. be at some of the same. You didn't take a break. No, no. And then you broke. Yeah. And, I, and what's so funny about that time, too, is that was like. When my anxiety was so bad, that was like pre-medicated Jordan. That wasn't even like pre-medicated. Totally, like I wasn't even medicated for my anxiety, which yeah. was like a like a lifesaver in my mind. But when I got to the end of 2019, because I had a two-year period of investing, I remember doing my annual review with them. They like had us over for dinner. It was so lovely, and I just remember being prepared to make the decision that I don't want to take any more funding. I had like looked at the numbers, and I was like, one, I'm fucking tired. I'm tired. Retail is so hard. It is so hard. And to grow, you have to sell so much. And it's a long game with retail. Kendra Scott, who is one of my muses, took 15 years. Right. 15 years. And I was on year three. Right, right, right. And I was like, fuck. And then the biggest biggest expense was my own salary. And I was like, I don't want any more debt. And I felt like a failure. So actually, do you remember when we did that like getaway at a cabin? Yes. That was like end of 2019. It must have been beginning of 2020. I was pregnant. Begin of 2020. And you don't know this, but when everybody was upstairs, I went into the basement to take a call to call Catherine. And I was like sobbing the entire time because I told her, I was like, I think I failed our business. Oh my gosh. Oh, so horrible. It's so horrible. And I was like. Jordan, that breaks my heart because (laughs) you were surrounded by women that would have just like held you and hugged you, but you didn't feel, you weren't ready for that. No, 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 no. And it like, it makes me emotional because it's not true. Of course it's not true. We all would have slapped you and told you that. But do you know what Catherine said to me, which just like shows like a woman who's like, been in business and she goes listen to me she goes your extreme emotions are matching the extreme situation she's like you just went through 
like the two of the hardest years running a business. She's like, give yourself a moment. She's like, you are allowed to feel upset. She goes, you can do anything, anything. She's like, I will hire you. Like, do not think of this as a failure. But like, again, you tie yourself to financials of, but think about it. How the fuck was I supposed to take a business from 2017 to 2019 to, to, my goal was to be like $2 million and sell it and all of this stuff. And it just, that's unrealistic. It unrealistic expectations. And I was married to numbers that didn't make sense. Mm. And I was like chasing something. And when I even got to that six figure mark, I was like, this is fucking hard. And this is not worth the effort and me killing myself to get there. It was just too hard. And thankfully, I'm happy I didn't take any more funding because 2020 hit. What a interesting, like, you were tapped into being honest with yourself. Oh, it was so hard. Yeah, it was really hard. And that is, <laughs> thank fucking God. Because that would have, that could have been, you know, I'm sure it would have been fine. Right. Because they're great people. Mm-hmm. And like, who could have guessed that that was going to happen? A global pandemic right. was going to shut down everything but at least it it to me it the taking the funding and stopping what i did is i'm happy because i would have been out of a job and then i would have really broken i mean i still felt like i was unhirable in the beginning of 2020 before i kind of had my stint in corporate america but yeah it's i think we're i was just very hard on myself and Mm -hmm. i just was like and you again you think about I was very grateful for the opportunity and I felt like I had squashed it. When in reality, I did everything I could, like everything that was like physically possible into growing this brand. And I'm proud of the work that I've done. And like now I'm in the phase of the business where I'm trying to sell it. Like I think it's time for it to be brought into a retail business. I can give it its full dedicated time and effort that like someone who's killing it in retail can take it. Like, I want to consult. I want to help people scale their businesses because I fucking did it. And there's way better ways to do it without, like, killing yourself throughout the process. And, like, if you're trying to prove something to yourself, like, you have to have realistic goals or you're just never going to be happy. It's not going to work. You're never going to be happy. And venture capital isn't going to solve all your problems. It's going to help you, but you have to know why you need the money. What does the relationship look like now Mm -hmm. that officially the funding is over? Mm -hmm. I mean, are you, do you like, I literally don't know how this works. Do you cut them a check every month to pay them back? So, okay. So then here is. Maybe we don't ask that question. I don't know. This is actually a really great question. So because they're angel investors, I don't owe them anything. Got it. So a part of your agreement. So every agreement's different. You maybe would have owned them, owed them something if that was what the agreement was. But let's say I take a profit from Mend this year, whatever. Because they have equity. Correct. So if I take a profit from the company. And forever they they have equity. And if I sell the business, they They get a a cut. They they get a cut of whatever that is. But I, most, most companies would, venture capitalists would not do that. They would hold you to that debt. So again, I'm very grateful for them. I call them my business parents. I see them a couple times a year. Mm. I go to their house. They are like family. I love these people. And they are our first call if we have any business questions, problems. Like they are really, really good people. And I wish more people like that existed, which they can if you want to invest. I just got this like flash forward (laughs) vision of us when we start investing. Oh, the and refund. Yeah, when we start putting money. When we money. start investing, we can then teach other women, maybe who are listening right now, yep. 
10, 15, 20 years down the road, how to start investing themselves into mm-hmm. other businesses. And like, that's what we get to evolve into helping others learn how to do, because that's a big goal of both of ours oh, yeah. is being able to re-inject cash into the community of women who are trying to start businesses. We've mm-hmm. talked time and time again about how venture capital goes to less than 2% of women and BIPOC-owned businesses, which is that. fucking bullshit when you're talking about both <laughs> demographics, or, or those are multiple, those are more than both, like multiple yes. demographics being lumped into less than, I think it's 1.8%, yeah. mind-blowing, and women don't own that money right now. Men Correct. still have all that venture capital. Well, and we'll save I can't wait yes. to fuck that up just i'll save you the anger if you look at okay. any businesses that have received venture capital that did not have a business plan or ended up doing some shady business or running their businesses into the ground i could probably list 10 of them they were all wait men. did they have penises <laughs> yes so i think the only Weird. way we get money to businesses and create these investments is we do what Catherine and her husband did for me we create our own wealth and we return it to the women who deserve it. That's what the refund is, is returning wealth and, and returning investing wealth. back to women who deserve it. So I love this. I would say if you have questions about venture capital, I can give you an honest answer. Just DM me if there's anything we didn't answer. Venture capital varies. It's not the only it way to get It seems like financed. it's a huge spectrum. And I think what's really fascinating too, if you were to compare notes from Adriana's episode of mm-hmm. no capital and self-funding and Jordan's episode today Mm -hmm. of venture capital, even within those two extremes, there's lots of gray happening. So like this is really a very uh, highly variable gray area with lots of different options in between. Yes. I would say do your homework. If like you're really interested in venture capital, there is an author named Arlen Hamilton. She is a black queer woman and she is like changing the venture capital game based out of California. She's an amazing keynote speaker. Like, she has a ton of resources on venture capital. I can link her stuff in the show notes. But yeah, let us know how, if you want funding, where you want to get it from. Maybe we'll have enough money. I was just going to say. Maybe you're listening and we have money. <laughs> Do we have money? Do we we're have gonna, money? We're going to go check our bank accounts. <laughs> I'm going to go log in real quick. <laughs> Do we have money? But yeah, just know it's not the only option. You get to decide if it's worth it. And remember, the people that invest in you, that's who you got to focus on first before even the dollar amounts. Mm, that's fantastic. That's really important. That was a good one, Jordan. Thank you Thanks. for sharing your story yeah. and getting vulnerable with us today. <sighs> yeah, feel good. Oh, good. Was that a good therapy <laughs> moment? Yeah, it's going to okay, be great. A good release. Jordan's yeah. therapist is in my building, actually. So actually, this is... <laughs> shout out. I don't want to say her name, but been with her for six years. She is like family. Sponsored by therapy. <laughs> Sponsored by therapy. I'll ask her if she wants to sponsor us. <laughs> That'll be great. Let's see if we can get some money that we can then that pay forward. That would be so funny, yes. Oh my gosh. Okay, like, subscribe, Do all the follow. Things. You can watch us on both Spotify and on YouTube, which mm-hmm. is fantastic. So if you're listening right now, you didn't realize you could watch us on Spotify. You can actually watch our video right in-app on Spotify, which yes. is fantastic. We are on all the platforms where you can listen to your favorite podcasts. Interact with us on Instagram. All the details are linked in the show notes. And we cannot wait to hear. Do you decide to go the self-funding route, which is what I've done so far? You've self-funded a business. You've also done venture capital and and gotten capital to build a business. So let us know. There's not one right right way to (laughs) To do do it. it. Or say it. (laughs)